Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of the Bull and Hawk Sports Show. I'm CJ Hawk, joined by the amazingly talented DJ Benny the Bull. Hey, no worries. All of y'all are still friends, even though CJ Hawk did not say friends this week. Well, also friends, fans, family, yeah. all have to be mentioned. And we have a safe side for everyone, <laughs> which is what this... Uh, strive to do and cover as many sports across the board yep across the table yes yeah this is episode 40 40 something we're into 40 somethings i believe it's 42 uh, it. 42 sounds right to me 42 yes 42 it is and let's begin with this week's first five here on the program so I like to look for articles that some have to do with like my favorite teams some have to do with big news big rumor mill big stories in the sports world and this one is very recent less than 30 minutes ago I'm completely shocked still in a state of shock and that is the Minnesota Wild have traded Captain Eric Stahl to the Buffalo Sabres for Marcus Johansson. This is an article from Zach Pierce of The Athletic. He is one of the guys who covers the Minnesota Wild. And he says, Eric Stahl's time in Minnesota has come to a sudden and surprising end. The Wild have traded the Veteran Center to the Buffalo Sabres in exchange for left wing Marcus Johansson. Stahl, who are Michael Russo, reports was stunned, just like myself, to find out about the trade. He has been the Wild's most productive goal scorer since they acquired him in 2016. He peaked in 2017 when he matched a Wild franchise record with 42 goals. He had 19 goals and 47 points in 66 games during this crazy COVID-19 season. And total scored 111 goals in four seasons in Minnesota. 21 better than the next best wild goal scorer, Jason Zucker, in that span. He is turning 36 in October and had one year left on his contract at $3.25 million and was not likely to be resigned as wild general manager Bill Gurian seeks to transform an old and aging team. Johansson, who turns 30, so it's not exactly young, that's probably not a move that Bill Gurian would make in a sense. This is me talking, not the article. Would make in get, make the team a lot younger. But Johansson, to his credit, did score nine goals, 21 points, and 60 games for the Sabres this season. His best season came with Washington, which scored 24 goals, 58 points. One year left on a 4.5 million contract before becoming an unrestricted free agent. That's the news on the Minnesota Wild. I have a lot of friends from Minnesota, so I'll be probably ask some of them what are their thoughts on Eric Stahl heading to Buffalo. Eric Stahl is best known as being one of the franchise players in Carolina Hurricanes history, and he's been great towards the end of his career with the Minnesota Wild. Now he's heading to Buffalo, which is a very young team, can be a veteran presence there. Speaking of Midwest and Central Division, if you will. 
I have a report that is courtesy of NBC Sports via Yahoo Sports. That is, it is highly unlikely, in quotes, Bucks try to trade for Chris CP3 Paul. And so, my opinion, I believe this is also unlikely. Uh, I say it's more likely that he could end up on the Bulls before he end up on the Bucks, if uh, in my estimation. I agree. And yeah, uh, and you know, it's stuff. The subtitle reading uh, it was evident after Miami bounced two top seeded, top seeded. Milwaukee in five games that the Bucks need to do something to make themselves better prepare for playoff basketball being willing to pay for those changes a good sign but what changes should be made and of course don't bet on a Bucks trade for Chris Ball being one of them and rumor uh, reported by Eric and Sam from The Athletic uh, rumors have been bounced around as we've heard and after the Bucks were eliminated, that's when that really came forth. And at the same time, it came clear the Thunder are moving toward a rebuild. And uh, it's not like Thunder don't have stars. Yeah, uh, everything is was put uh, on the back of CP3. And so, of course, um, that's 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 tough to uh, to to handle for. Just uh, one person, uh, you know, as opposed to uh, him back in the Clippers, you know, now, of course, PG-13 and Kawhi lead the charge there. And uh, and uh, they, they have their, uh, you know, small issues. Um, though, yeah, they've built them up to be a very good uh, team contender uh, in the playoffs, of course. And, uh, yeah, we'll definitely be getting into more NBA talk. And I have one that is coming up shortly on NBA, uh, more so a very successful one celebrating the players that are doing very well, uh, especially in this season. My second article and headline is about baseball. And I listened to the Cubs Talk podcast hosted by David Kaplan and Gordon Whitmire. Excellent. It's from NBC Sports. So if you love the Cubs like I do, I'd highly recommend listening to the Cubs Talk podcast. And he broke it down very well on how the MLB playoff schedule, which will be in a bubble, will work out. So similar to the NBA and NHL, they'll be in a bubble, but more like the NHL where the NHL had two locations, Toronto and Edmonton, and the MLB and WNBA only had the one location. This one's multiple locations. So in the wild card, very simple. Best of three, all games at home ballpark, a better seed. So for example, the Cubs, who currently are the number two seed in the playoffs, will be facing the Phillies. All in Chicago. So it'd all be in the same location. Just like where the New York Yankees, let's say let's say they're eighth seed right now, I don't Tom ahead, I'm not sure. They'd be facing the White Sox. All at um, guaranteed rate. So it's pretty simple. 
the team that has the home field advantage has a big advantage. No fans, but still, the team knows their home ballpark better than any road ballpark, so they can have some advantages with like how they play, how they do defense. So that's the wild card. Then we move to the divisional round. This is where the bubble aspects comes into play. They leave their home ballparks and head to the various locations. So in the divisional round, the ALDS will be in San Diego and LA. The NLDS will be in Houston and in Arlington. So some of the teams in the AL will face in San Diego, which is the one in eight seeds and four and five winners. And then the Division B in ALDS will be in LA with the two seven three six winners. And the NLDS, the one eight four five will be in Arlington. And on the other side of the bracket, two seven three six will be at Houston. And all games will either be on TBS, Fox Sports 1, MLB Network, or ESPN, except the World Series, which will be all on Fox proper. So now in the Championship Series, it switches to simply the ALCS will be in San Diego, NLCS will be at Arlington, and then finally the World Series will be exclusively all games in Arlington and on Fox, which I think is a great idea because this is the brand new first year for the Texas Rangers brand new park Globe Life Field in Dallas. This is their brand new Paul Park. Why not show it off in the World Series? So I think that's a great idea to choose that as the neutral site, first neutral site World Series. And this games will take place late October from Tuesday, October 20th to the 28th is the World Series. And the wildcard round starts really soon. It's Right now it's the 16th of September. By the 29th, playoffs will begin for Major League Baseball. Which means that summer is, is coming up soon as in it is uh, almost going into uh, real fall. Correct. For those that aren't in school. So, uh, yeah. Any any more on MLP? No, that's that's it. Just For this moment. I mean, this like some teams to watch before we get any farther. Dodgers, Padres, teams could make some noise. Then the American League, definitely some teams that can make the noise. White Sox, and White Sox, and I'd say probably the Rays can maybe make some noise. Those are some popular picks, but definitely White Sox. And, as they are playing tonight, if yeah. you, uh, I believe you did mention I mentioned some of my favorite teams like the Cubs, Phillies, but my opinions on those are more neutral. They have not impressed me as of late. So I, the white, the Cubs have looked a little bit better lately. Especially, I cannot forget to mention this on Sunday, same day as the Bears game. Alc Mills threw a no hitter against the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, it was awesome to see. I didn't get to watch the game because I had to watch the Bears game. And I didn't know about it until it was already too late. But great job by Alex Mills. I love seeing stories where a player was drafted like way late. He's drafted like the 27th round. No expected him to really do anything. He got a chance with the Cubs. And he's a soft tosser. Throws light. Doesn't throw 100 miles an hour. Doesn't blow people away. But he has good control, good stuff. And he no hit the Brewers, which definitely one of the highlights of the season. 
joining Lucas Giolito for the second no-hitter of the year. And both, fun fact, were thrown by the Chicago teams. Okay, now I'm done. And we go back to the NBA as I have, as promised, a very positive news and it is according to Yahoo Sports by Jason Owens this afternoon. And that is regarding the all-NBA team selection uh, for this 2020 season. And so headlining this, as said in this headline, LeBron James, the GOAT, King James, yes, breaks record with 16th all-NBA selection. So here, LeBron and, as their words, presumptive MVP, Giannis Antetokounmpo, the Greek freak, led the way as unanimous selections, as I first heard uh, in uh, a different headline about uh, this, that uh, Giannis being a shoe and that this is Giannis's time and uh, being uh, an MVP, as most, uh, like D. Wade predicts and he has handpicked to be. Uh, so, yeah, unanimous selections to be on the first team. Joining them, uh, Giannis and LeBron, is none other than Luka. Luka Doncic and the beard, James Harden, as well as Anthony Davis, giving the Lakers two first-team selections. Another history maker right there. And so... LeBron adding to his record for the league uh, 16 times as All-NBA honor for his career. The most of all time. You heard that right? The most of all time. And he previously tied, uh, most recently in 2019, with Tim Duncan, Jabbar, and the legendary late Kobe Bryant with 15 and his 13th first team selection is also an NBA record. Uh, so Dachik, if you guys wonder about him, uh, the Mavericks star selection is his first, and he joins James Kevin Durant, Spurs legend and Hall of Famer Tim Duncan, Rick Barry, and Max Slavlovsky as the only players to earn first team honors at 21 years old and also the league they named their second and third teams and full results with players listed in order of voting results are also here so we have two from the Lakers from the first team Mavericks Rockets and Bucks and uh, only one of them is in the playoffs at the moment, as we'll get to later on. Uh, second team, All-NBA second team, features Clippers, Kawhi Leonard, the Nuggets is Nikola the Joker, Jokic. And we have a rap superstar and star, Portland Trailblazers star, Damian Lillard, Oklahoma City Thunder, 
Chris CP3 Paul, as well as one of our favorites of the Toronto Raptors, Pascal Siakam. And finally, part of the All-NBA Third Team, the names are of the Boston Celtics, Jason Tatum. Then we have Bulls All-Star, if you will, and current Miami Heat superstar Jimmy G. Buckets, a.k.a. Jimmy Butler. Then we have someone that's part of the hot streak uh, before they were off in the finals. Um, from the Utah Jazz, Rudy Gobert. And then we have perhaps the best player in recent memory of the Philadelphia 76ers. CJ Hogg will appreciate this in Ben Simmons. And then we have, finally, from the Houston Rockets, Mr. Triple Double, Russell Westbrook. And I gotta say, he has as much fashion sense as Raheem Sterling, if you you will. So, especially with the true religion, as he's a, he's a, a, uh, let's just say he represents them. Uh, definitely well and uh, I had to say shout out to my dad because he is a big uh, fashionista when it comes to that he's a uh, he's a big fan of that clothing uh, that brand and so there, there's uh, voting results like I said right here and there's a breakdown on uh, you know through uh, all the voting and points with all that so um, overall Um, I say all in this deserve it and there's actually a few that almost made it and notable names to miss the cut include from man from the Washington Wizards superstar Bradley Beal fellow 76ers next to Simmons Joel Embiid as well as Milwaukee Bucks superstar Chris Middleton and Miami Heat. Their amazingly talented uh, young star band out of bio as well. So that is on NBA 2019 through 20 all NBA team voting results. And headlined by Giannis, LeBron, Luca. Get into more NBA in the next episode. So that's just a uh, lack of better term teaser for for what's to come for uh, when we're going to cover for the um, has been the most amazing uh, bubble season possible. A uh, lot of unpredictable moments. Uh, let's just say a a, a few uh, game sevens, and that's 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 amazing for fans and definitely uh super competitive right now so all right we've made it to the fifth and final article headline of the first five for episode 42 this one i very happy to see the final results both for ones that i liked 
for the U.S. Open, tennis. I say tennis because actually the U.S. Open for golf is starting tomorrow, so this is to avoid confusion. And U.S. Open... Serena and Naomi playing in in, in golf (laughs) these days. So first we lead off with the women's singles, because this is in order of they played first, so I'm just going to say they're first. And Naomi Osaka, the Japanese sensation. She's already become the best Japanese tennis player ever, in my opinion. This was no, her. What's the proper term, like Afro Jap or, uh, you know, yeah, I abbreviations. I mean, I get. I don't know, because she yeah. was born in Japanese. I gave me, I guess, Japanese yeah, American, she, but I'm not sure. She's African uh, descent. I don't as know. Well, um, as being Japanese. She's a, she's a mix. Sure. Well, she beat Victoria Azarenka, and I was very glad to see Azarenka make it back to the final. She had big success winning two Grand Slams a number of seasons ago. Injuries and having to take time off to pregnancy. kind of She kind of stepped away, but she finally made it back to the finals. She played hard for the first set, kind of was overmatched in the final two sets against Osaka. And I was glad to see Naomi Osaka against Victoria Zarenka because I, a lot of people said it was going to be Serena Williams a easy sweep, straight sets. They already said they already had it crowned, but she lost already in the semifinal. And Nomisaka, I like Nomisaka, so congratulations. Victoria is one of the goats, huh? She's a good player. She won two Grand Slams in 2012 and 2013. Yeah, number one, yeah. yeah. Year end, number one. Now, did we go to the men's side? This one, I'm even more excited about than Nomisaka winning. Because she already had won two times. This is her third time. So she's already won. This one, I'm even more excited. It had taken place in the men's side with Dominic Tiem, one of my favorite players. Beat Alexander Zverev, who's also one of my favorites. And fun fact, they're both close friends. So kind of close friends facing off. And Dominic Tiem beat Zverev in a five-set thriller. And he... Zarev congratulated Dominic Tiem after the victory, showing good sportsmanship. Because I say that because there are plenty of athletes who will throw a big fit or pout, like, I lost. But Dominic Tiem. I'm sure they did the bro hug. Oh, yeah. So, Dominic so Tiem. What is the Austri- Austrian got his first Grand Slam tournament final. This was his fourth attempt. He had. Beat, lost to Rafa Nadal twice at the French Open, which Rafa Nadal is the greatest French Open tennis player ever. So just to compete against him and improve, because the first time he got straight set defeated, the second time he lost in four sets, so at least won a set. And then he lost Australian Open this season. But finally he got his first Grand Slam title. It's especially big because, fun fact, since 2014, no one beside the people who have won a million times, Novak Djokovic, Roger Federer, Rafa Nadal, uh, Stan Varinka, and Andy Murray had won. So he's the first first-time winner since Marin Cilic in 2014 at the U.S. Open back then. 
So, 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 so saying that he that Dom Pian, he is uh, first time winner uh, as a as a rookie. No, he's not a history in that way. Yeah, he's like the he's the first um, person who had it won since Marin Cilic like seven years ago. So, oh, so men's ten minutes. Yeah, men's tennis has been dominated by the same guys. So, for oh, years yeah, they actually ironically had yeah. eight point seven out of thirteen. Yeah, no, he played well. So, that's uh, it. Two, two, two friends. Yep, uh, I follow them both on Instagram. Well, that's it for our first five, and this episode will not feature. Any NBA or WNBA, this episode will focus mostly on the Chicago Bears and also soccer regards to the NWSL and the Premier League. So stay tuned. Basically, all football, right. American, international. Right, so stay tuned for that coming up very soon. Hey friends, we're back here on the Bullhawk Sports Show. We wrapped up our first five. It's all gone. Now we're going to the next segment of the program. And this is going to be on the Chicago Bears. I am a diehard Chicago Bears fan. Can't wait to talk about the Chicago Bears. I was talking with my friend Alyssa a few yesterday, no, two days ago. And she's like, she said she's excited to hear what I have to say about the Bears game from Sunday. And this is the first time I have talked about it on the program since Sunday. So here we go. And the first game of the 2020 NFL season for the Bears was on Sunday against the Detroit Lions. And as everyone knows, there was the quarterback battle during the training camp between the incumbent Mitch Trubisky, and newcomer Nick Foles, who they acquired in trade from the Jacksonville Jaguars. Foles had a big contract. He's famous for winning the Super Bowl for the Philadelphia Eagles against the Patriots a few seasons back. And now he's the backup because he lost in the train camp battle, according to Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace, the general manager. Trubisky was more impressive. Yeah. So yeah, Trubisky. that was the year that uh, that the Patriots. Uh, well, most fans, from my estimation, will they like? Oh, Patriots gonna win again, right? And then it's like, oh, yeah, that was me. Like a really good uh, defender, right? Two thousand. Uh, I, I want to say it was the twenty seventeen, and then twenty eighteen was was 20, the twenty eighteen. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, I as a reminder, I believe I said that a while back. I chose the Eagles to win. I also did. And, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, Nick Foles leading the charge. And, um, and it's just funny that he uh, he ends up in the Bears. It's almost like, all right, I'm not a fortune teller, but it's like, mm-hmm. all right, I just kind of had the vibes that uh, he'll be something uh, uh, something special and make magic and for, the, for Philly. And, and now for Chicago, we'll have to see. I'm excited to see what uh, is in store for him on the Bears. And so, yeah, CJ, continue. 
All right, so the game started pretty innocently enough. The Bears weren't explosive on offense. Trubisky, his common, definitely common for him in the offense is to struggle early. He's had multiple games where the team struggled out of the gate offensively. And sometimes he's late in the game during garbage time. He's looked impressive, which I don't really put too much credence to that when a quarterback looks great in the fourth quarter when a team's down 20 points or something. And our team's like, yeah, we'll give you some of that play, give you some yards. It's 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 highly it's highly possible when it's NFL versus uh, in other leagues like NBA. It's like, all right, you kind of know because time is not on it. But, yeah. Uh, I feel like... Uh, and uh, American football is more unpredictable and anything can happen uh, within uh, t- uh, with time uh, pausing for a second, right? So, yeah, I, I, I like that about, about NFL. Mm-hmm. So the first quarter took place. Both teams got a field goal. And this is going to be important for the Bears, depending on how Trubisky plays. With the offense and his new pieces, because currently Eddie Pinero, the incumbent kicker, has been slow to return. He hasn't really gotten up to the offensive speed yet. So, Kyra Santos, as of an hour ago, was officially added to the roster. He started game one for the Bears. So, it looks like he might be kicking some more, depending on when Eddie Pinero can come back. And the Lions kicker has been kicking there for a while, and that is Matt Prater. He's their kicker. So both got a field goal. Santos got one, and also Matt Prater got one as well. So we move on to the second quarter. This is when the Lions started to get ready to heat up, but it took a little bit. Bears looking so-so offensively. Trubisky wasn't lighting it up. He wasn't the next Aaron Rodgers out on the field. He made some good throws. He got some guys involved in the offense, which is always valuable, especially on a team with the Bears where they need to get people involved. And interestingly enough, of the Bears receivers, tight ends, eight of them he targeted. So eight guys got a catch for the squad, which is good when multiple players can catch for the passing offense. And Trubisky can only get the team six points at halftime. The Lions got 10. They should have not even had that much. They should have been lesser scoring. It should have been where it was. But they got a late touchdown to take a 13-6 to lead on the Chicago Bears entering halftime. The game was still in the reach of the Bears. I wasn't holding that much hope. The offense hadn't really done anything to wow me to this point, but the team was only down by 10, so it wasn't like devastating yet. So we moved to the third quarter when Finn started to more unravel. The Lions had looked great the final minutes of the first half. They took it to more great later lengths in the third quarter. When Adrian Peterson... This was his first game with the Lions. Started to play really well. He had 14 carries with 93 yards. He was the best runner on 
the Lions squad. And for the Bears, David Montgomery led the team with 64 yards, which was great to see him play because there was talk he might not play due to injury, but he did, which is important. Without him, things could have been even more disastrous. So Lions get some good passing by Matt Stafford, their quarterback, got on the board more in the third quarter, taking a huge lead on the Bears. So at this point, 23-6 to after three quarters. I thought the Bears were done. Most fans who are reasonable thought the Bears were done. And don't tell me after the fact, I saw it coming a mile away. Because that's just BS. So keep that to yourself if you think that's something that you want to talk about to me. Because I don't agree with that. So after three, it was 23-6 to Lions. They looked great. The offense was humming on all cylinders. Stafford, Peterson, the defense had looked pretty good so far for the Lions, which is key for them. Finally entered the fourth quarter. And Mitch Trubisky, there was an article about his new nickname, Mr. Fourth Quarter from ESPN. And I agree to extent he has looked pretty bad in multiple games for the first three quarters. He has looked dreadful. But then once it gets to the fourth quarter, crunch time, the final minutes, suddenly he turns it on. I don't know why he can't do that for the whole game. What's the issue? Why is he so good at the fourth quarter, whereas the rest of the game he's horrible? Because being great in the fourth quarter is very important, but you're not going to have that many games where the team, you can even come back from big deficit on a regular basis. That's very difficult to do in the NFL. But, spoiler Trubisky did lead the team to victory. He turned it on in the fourth quarter with amazing passes to... I want to apologize to Anthony Miller, the tight end. I had said in last week's episode, his nickname was Anthony Inconsistency Miller. And I have to admit, he showed up big in this game with a touchdown. 76 yards, four catches, and good job by Anthony Miller, which is very important because I think he has talent. If he can get start catching with Trubisky, because on the Bears Talk podcast he mentioned, which I agree with, that Mitch and Anthony Miller don't have a great relationship on the field. So maybe if Miller can be targeted more, start to make some more big catches, big plays, it'll help the offense as a whole. And... Allen Robertson also had a great catch late in the game as well. He's our best receiver. And there's a lot of discourse, a lot of rumors that he might be leaving Chicago because he's unhappy with his contract status, which I can understand. He deserves to be... Possibly traded. Possibly. And uh, he's actually, uh, as NBC Sports says, uh, Robinson is going under negotiation tactics, saying... uh, they say are are genius, <laughs> and also there's one calm down and extension for a Rob still should happen. I'm sure we uh, agree with that. I agree. I think he should be extended. He's been one of our best pieces, best receivers during the Mitch Trubisky era, easily, and to let him leave would be a mistake. Yes, indeed. Which and is- Trubisky had some really good words for him. Uh, on a rap extension. They've just got to get that done. 
Yep, I 100% agree. Was during this quarter that uh, I know there's a major uh, plays and all that. Uh, uh, Kyle Fuller, how about that as an interception? Uh, yeah, that that was a big interception late in the game when. Game changer for Dubbins. Yeah, that was one. Hyped up actually, like <laughs> Yeah, that was one of the game changers easily. His interception was very important for the Bears because. Not last year, per se. The year before, the Bears got many interceptions. That was one reason why the team was so successful, despite Mitch Trubisky's poor play. And maybe this season we can get back to getting more interceptions and more sacks, which should, in a way, maybe disguise Trubisky's, at times, inconsistent play. But getting an interception was key in Game 1. Also... Another big key in the game was the big sack late in the game. This was a game changer by Akeem Hicks on the Bears because Matt Stafford, he was getting the Lions towards field goal range, but Akeem Hicks sacked him and it pushed the Lions back from a 40-yard or so field goal kick to all the way back to 53 yards, which is a long field goal kick in the NFL. That's really far. And this probably was a game saver because the huge sack made it where Matt Prater, the kicker for the Lions, had to kick a 53-yard field goal, and he failed. He missed, bounced off the right goalpost, didn't go in. So the Lions there was a big mistake. And Matt Patricia, the head coach, he's come under fire a lot during his tenure as the coach of the Lions. Coming over from the Patriots as defensive coordinator. He's the coach for a number of seasons now in Detroit. Coming to fire being a game, not a game, a fourth quarter choker, fourth quarter failure, which is starting to become more and more true. The Lions, as of late, have been one of the worst fourth quarter teams in NFL history and NFL as a whole. They've had many games slip away where they should have been victorious, should have won, and Matt Patricia's idiotic game plan that's the word I have to use idiotic cost them the game Lions were defeated when frankly they should have beat the Bears in this game but Matt Patricia decided to go for the field goal that was 54 yards was a big mistake and the team was already leading at that point they weren't behind so this wasn't a sense they had to come back they were already leading so to go play it safe and not try for like a big pass hit them hard and also, Jamie Collins made a big mistake for our defensively. He made a big mistake earlier in the game when he was hit by a Bears player and kind of touched the ref. So it had, I think it was a little overkill by the ref's point of view, but he was immediately ejected from the game. So that hurt the Lions hard when Jamie, Jamie Collins was gone. I didn't expect it, but the ref was like, He's out of here. And then suddenly he was gone. Oh, man. Shades of, uh, is it U.S. Open or uh, another tennis tournament? That, That's uh, right. That happened uh, because of, uh, of uh, a ref, yeah. if you will. Yeah, Novak Djokovic uh, accidentally hit the female referee and he was Djokovic. immediately oh. ejected. Yeah. But those were a little bit different. That one was an accident. 
this one was more an accident too, but he did purposely touch the ref to sh- prove a point, but right. it backfired when the ref said, you're out of here. It's not coming. Yeah, the ref's like, he's, he's gone. gone. This is not a prediction. This is a spoiler alert. <laughs> I don't really have a line or zinger for that. This the ref kind of like said he's gone and then now is the end of Jamie Collins. <laughs> so uh, but the, the Lions defense has already hit hard previously because some of their players, like for example, Jeff Akuda, the brand new cornerback who they drafted from and that uh, to shore up the defense couldn't play. So without him the defense was hit a little more. Some injuries hurt them. And Jimmy Collins leaving hurt them to a big extent. Right, right, right. There, there is, uh, yeah, in, in between all this, uh, you know, predictors for this uh, this game. Uh, uh, according to CBS Sports betting odds for this, in short, was uh, the Lions were chosen. Uh, and yeah, uh, every everyone uh, choosing that as a let's see right here. There was negative one thirty five for the, for Detroit, and then Chicago had plus one fifteen. So uh, Bears proving them wrong and uh, getting in their gear in the fourth quarter. And uh, uh, unsure of all these other terms about like Lions versus Bears spread. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. Over under between two, 42.5 points. Yeah, so to to wrap up our Bears recap for the first game of the season, the Bears took the lead when Javon Wims, probably the most unexpected man to make a game winning play of all time, Javon Wims. Not a sexy player. Not a guy you're going to say, whoa, he's the next um, greatest receiver ever. He admittedly barely made the Bears roster, but he did make it. He made the team. And he had one catch for one yard, and this was a game winner. So congratulations, Javon Wims. Yeah. And of the three touchdowns that Trubisky threw, one was to Anthony Miller, one was to Jimmy Graham, the new tight end they signed from the Packers. He got a touchdown. And this is a relationship that's going to grow in time. He didn't target him very often early in the game, but towards the fourth quarter, for sure, he started to target Jimmy Graham more. And Jimmy Graham's a big tight end, so if he can catch, he can make some matchup problems similar to some of the greatest ones currently. Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, Zach Ertz, Major Graham can be a man along those lines. I'm not asking him to be that good, but maybe if he start making the offense tight end more of a threat, because we haven't had that in a while. And finally, the game ended after the Bears took a 27-23 lead. 
The Lions actually almost won the game, surprisingly enough. They had enough time to march down the field, get to the towards the end of the end zone, and they would have won, but rookie receiver DeAndre Swift from Georgia dropped the ball. If he catched it, the game would have been over, and the Lions, actually, they would have won, not the Chicago Bears. So it would have been like 30 to 27. But... But. Yeah, Bears capitalizing on those uh, mistakes and uh, and uh, right right timing for them and uh, them making history uh, statistically, if you will, uh, in terms of a uh, record uh, in the f- week one. Yeah, it's week one. Yeah, um, I'm not 100 percent sure about that though. Yeah, I don't know either. Like, they are, uh, they've always, as if they always lost uh, in game one, uh, in week one, if, if that's correct. I don't think that's correct, but I don't know. Accurate. Right. I believe they're more so comparing it to last season. Uh... So that, that's just from the commentary. Yeah, the, and, uh, the Bears did lose game one last year. They lost to the Packers in, like, a horrible game. Oh, yeah, that, that was, like, all right, they're close enough, yet that, that wasn't enough. Yeah, that that game was awful. I hated that game. I was, like, yeah. yelling. I'm like, come on. The team sucked yeah, that game. and if the fact that this is how they start and, of course, yeah. um, having to go up against... Meatpackers, I'm like, uh, uh, I already don't look forward to, to those. Uh, I mean, especially this early, you know, like, uh, so. Well, that was also especially bad because that was actually the first game of the NFL season because it was on Thursday. Absolutely. So that was like. It was ESPN, was it? No, <laughs> no it was on. Um, uh, uh, yeah, NBC or Fox, one of those. Because they always start off at noon, right? Everything, so. No that, uh, no, that game was at night, so it was on, it was on oh, NBC. really? That was, they actually did a first overall? Yeah, first, first uh, overall. Oh, yeah, 720, yeah. Wow, yeah, another <laughs> reason to be upset with it. Yeah, that, that, that was last year, and uh, yep. this year uh, uh, looking better. I mean, even though they did, uh, they did look uh, very, very good, you know, yep. throughout the, like, I agree. themselves up, uh, in the fourth quarter, as as said, and uh, yeah, we're, I mean, we're for the Bears to improve, and they have a lot of uh, young talent, and uh, a new QB. We'll see what happens from from there. That from this week, I'm excited for uh, this week's game. Yeah, why don't we transition and short little preview for Game Two? And week two of the season, Bears play at home at Soldier Field on Sunday at noon on CBS against the Newark Football Giants. Now, what is now what is the situation uh, against footballs and fields and all that being home? What is the situation? uh, Any news on us being able to, as said, with the first overall actual game on NBC with the Chiefs? Uh, yeah, and the Chiefs and winning that one. 
them being able to have uh, fans uh, versus us at Soldier Field, I don't believe we'll be there for a while. Yeah, that, or that... with no no in person attendance. That's right. Teams like the Chiefs and I want to say the Jaguars, they have like twenty five percent capacity limit for fans, but mostly the all other thirty state no. The 26 other stadiums, there are no fans allowed. So just those two have fans. Yeah. I believe I heard that's week four or week five that's going to start to allow more teams to sure. fans or just increase those that, that can't you know, like increase the stadium capacity by uh, more percentage. I'm not sure because I... I follow the Eagles and Bears probably the most, and the Eagles at um, their home home field, they are not going to have fans for a while. So I'm not sure about some of these other teams. But. Absolutely. So, yeah, back to preview. So the Bears are going to take on Daniel Jones, quarterback of the Giants, second game of the season. This is definitely a winnable game for the Bears. Jones looked not bad against the Pittsburgh Steelers on Monday night. The Bears are favored, and this is a big one because if the Bears can win this and get to a off to a two and zero start, that will pave great ways for them. Especially because they face another winnable game the week after, but this is a big one to get, go off to a two and zero start. Let's see if Trubisky can play well the whole game, not just the fourth quarter. I'm not expecting him to play a whole well the whole game. But if he could, that would be great. Or Giants, please play. Giants uh, uh, with their very good football defense. So that's going to be a hard thing to tap into for us. I think the Bears could win that one maybe by 10 at least. I think we can win that. So hopefully we can right. win like I predicted we can. Yeah. Every, every, uh, uh, every kick is important. We yes. Need, uh, as much uh, scoring as possible. Uh, so yeah so Chicago Bears beat the Detroit Lions week one week two taking on the New York football Giants yeah and just a quick reminder that the Giants indeed they actually lost uh, in, in this week one so that was a good game uh, yeah will, will that play like in team uh, for this week <laughs> yeah that was a good game the Giants took on the Pittsburgh Steelers at MetLife Stadium at home Monday night, yeah. Big Ben and Jalen Jones played pretty av- pretty well, pretty average during the first half. Big Ben played a lot better second half to get the Steelers a victory over the Giants. The Giants are a team that's in a rebuilding stage for sure. Their GM, Dave Gettleman, and the team definitely want to see what Jalen Jones, their quarterback, can have for the future in his second professional season as the starting quarterback. Since Eli Manning is now retired, Daniel Jones, it's his team. And he played not bad, I'll have to say, in his first game. He had two interceptions, but they weren't egregious ones. One was his fault. The other one was more a mistake in coverage. He did have two touchdowns, 279 yards. So I think if we can stop... The running back, Shaquan Barkley, like the Steelers did, they completely destroyed him. He was garbage against them. If we can make him look that bad, we have a good shot to beat the Giants for sure. Yeah, yeah. programming that this will be on CBS. 
That's right. And uh, just speaking of uh, first games, uh, overall, the first overall game was, like we said, the Chiefs, and uh, they, I, I would say, yeah, this one was a good one. I like that one. Yeah. And their opponent was... The Houston Texans. Yes, the Houston Texans. Uh, y'all don't know. Uh, JJ Watt is, is on that. And he is he is back along with Deshaun Watson. And, yeah, final 34-20. This was on NBC primetime, 720. Uh, I got to tune into this one. And uh, this one's uh, very different from, uh, from many other games we'll see as it had limited in-person attendance. And and for those who are wondering more specifics on that, I have your scoop. And that is that for stadiums, for this in particular, at Arrowhead Stadium, and that is home of the Chiefs, uh, especially fitting, uh, them being the Super Bowl champs returning home. Uh, definitely got the crowd uh, up and uh, definitely good to hear that. And it is 22% stadium capacity. Yeah. And under, that means it's under 17,000 fans. And even that is a major number. Of course, socially distance and uh, those that are not in your party, uh, of course, keep that distance and uh, daily testing of players are expected to continue throughout the entire season. Let's keep players safe. And uh, definitely something I got uh, during the Football Night in America and the, uh, during the kickoff sh- uh, show. So, yeah, uh, that will be what's happening for the NFL all season. And, yeah, look for more improvement. And uh, with this limited increase in time, I believe it did actually help um, the Chiefs win as well um, as good as they are. Yes. Yeah, so to wrap up our NFL Bears talk for this week, some of the more cool notes for week one, the Colts lost. I don't like the Colts, so I was very glad to see that they get defeated by the Jaguars. Oh, you went rooting for them uh, uh, back in, what, 2010? Well, I've never been a. I, li- I mean, I liked Peyton. I like Peyton Manning. He's one of my favorites all the time. But yeah. he's not on the Colts anymore, so yeah. he retired. You're more of a. You're more of a. Let's say the Saints, right? Uh, Drew Brees. I'm not Drew Brees. One of the goats. One fan of him. Uh, I mean, I like the Saints, all right, but. Uh, but I, I mean, I'm not a big. I'm not a big Steelers. fan of the Saints. <laughs> I'm a Steelers fan, yes. So, to wrap it up, Las Vegas Raiders, first win as Las Vegas Raiders. That's cool to see. So, officially, 1-0. Defeated. Yeah, how about, yeah undefeated. And uh, <laughs> how about the, uh, I guess, the pending name is coming for them. Uh, the, for now, they're known as the Washington football team, which is all right, right? Yeah, it's all right. They won, which I was very annoyed to see. They defeated the Eagles. This one, unbelievable. I'm at a loss for words. 
the Eagles had a 17-0 lead on the hapless Washington Football Club. But suddenly the team said, wait, we're ahead. We need to be behind. And then they blew up. So then Dwayne Haskins started playing actually okay. And the Washington Football Club scored 27 unanswered points to win the game. And finally, the LA Rams won their first ever game at SoFi Stadium in LA at their brand, brand new, new stadium. They beat, yeah, it must nice. beat the Cowboys. And... Oh, Tom Brady struggled in his debut for the Saint yeah. for the Buccaneers. Yeah, brand new team along with uh, joining him, Gronk, uh, Rob Gronkowski, who said that he was retired or retiring. <laughs> That's uh, right. Year. And he returned. And this was that was more like the last minute like thing, right? Well, at least like. Few months. Yeah. Uh, notice, uh, at, the, at the beginning of this uh, during the pandemic, because right after WrestleMania is like when he uh, they made an announcement. Uh, WWE even shared because it was uh, the official host of WrestleMania, which he actually we didn't see him drift around like much during uh, the pay per view. Though, uh, yeah, he he won a, a championship there, twenty four seven his fun fact of where I'm sure our combat sports fans would know like WrestleMania was supposed to happen at that football uh, stadium. Uh, Raymond James, uh, yeah. At the, yeah, Ray, Ray J. Raymond James Stadium when the, uh, our friend Jack, I'm sure he was uh, very down on that too as much as I am. The, the best happened as uh, happened at the WWPC Performance Center. So yeah, Raymond James Stadium, home of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Actually, good to see uh, them back. It's almost like, all right, uh, it's almost like, it, like how Drake says, like God's plan. It's like, all right, uh, oh, I I probably retired too soon. Uh, <laughs> something told me like, all right, uh, I'm gonna put my dreams for for wrestling on hold and. Uh, unretire. Let's go back to the Buccaneers, where uh, supposed to be the site of WrestleMania 36. So um, it's kind of, it's cool to to see him uh, be back in that way. And uh, what do you know? In the, not a bubble season yet, a regular season where they are able to play um, at home in that way. So that's cool to see. Well, I think that's a good ender. So thanks for listening to the segment. We did a great job. TJ Bull and I found various references, sources to get this going. I think we did a great job talking about Chicago Bears' victory over Lions and then other various NFL news. So, this is a... We're getting towards the end of the episode. Once this is, we finish this, the last segment will be on the NWSL. And then finally... The Premier League, and then we'll call episode 42 completed.
We're back here on the Bulldog Sports Show. We finished up our talk on the Chicago Bears' recent game against the Detroit Lions. An exciting comeback win for Mitch Trubisky and the Chicago Bears. Now we're going to move on to and transition to the National Women's Soccer League, NWSL. Their fall series has recently started. We discussed in episode 41, I want to say, a little bit about the game from September 5th between the Sky Blue and Washington Spirit. And fast forward one week, there have been some matches as well. And also, I think it's kind of interesting to talk about in regards to the wildfires hitting Oregon, Washington, and California especially, and even more into the East, but focusing on those states, hit them hard, praying for everyone there, and making sure everyone's okay. And some of the games that ended up with Cell that were taking place in Oregon and Washington especially have been postponed, moved to a later date, which I completely agree with. That's what I thought they should have done. Unsafe conditions to play, especially with the sky looking so horrible and unfit to breathe. I'm glad they postponed them, not tried to play. Made perfect sense. Especially playing soccer, running down the pitch, the whole entire 90-minute match. That's just too much. So I'm glad they decided to postpone them. And that was between the Portland Thorns and Oil Rain. Been postponed till tentatively Wednesday 9 30th the 30th of September at 9 p.m. in Seattle but we'll see if that continues bearing weather and safety conditions so going back to games that actually have taken place there have been two that have taken place thus far in the NWSL fall series season with well three but two that we've not discussed that was Washington Spirit and Chicago Red Stars, our hometown team, and in the second game, North Carolina Courage, and my second favorite team, the Houston Dash Defending Challenge Cup Champions. And I want to welcome DJ Benny Bull to the program. He is the NWSL, especially Chicago Red Stars, expert on the show. His opinions and articles that he's found always drive the NWSL talk. How are you doing, G. Benny the Bull? Hey, doing fine. I'm this Thursday night, and as we're recording this, and yeah, well, set on the wildfires, definitely good to get that um, up first for our coverage, and very important for the health of players, and yeah, hopefully we'll get to see the game uh, later this month. Uh, it's yeah. Just, uh, uh, unfortunately, we'll have to play. Uh, it's going to be my third favorite team, um, top three. Uh, that, or uh, I believe in the order, the Thorns are my second favorite uh, team. And we we'll won't see them yet. Uh, on the, as well as your least favorite team, the All Rain. Uh, so I have a feeling who you'll be rooting for. Yeah, I'll take the Thorns. <laughs> Not Oren. Yeah, yeah, Portland. Uh, yeah, the rain surprising many uh, during the summer in the tournament, and also um, we have 
the Dash and Red Stars, which they played in the same week, it's almost like it was meant to happen. And uh, Red Stars playing an early game. They played on uh, Saturday. Both games were on Saturday, September the 12th. And what a day full of soccer. And that is with women's soccer. Uh, also, uh, across the pond, we have in Europe the WSL, the FA Women's Super League going on as well. So there is uh, a lot of action going on in uh, NBC Sports and CBS Sports. Family of networks are showcasing women's soccer, which is a good thing. And uh, both, I say, competing. If you will, uh, both leagues going uh, being on uh, is a good thing for the ecosystem of soccer in general, um, especially if you apply to to over here, since um, there there's not many uh, that will go on outside of big tournaments like the World Cup, um, which gets everyone together under one uh, roof. If that's correct. Yeah, that's a good term. Uh, other than that, um, this has never been, happened before, and I'm glad to see that, and that's the goal. It's almost like the moment I started to get dive into um, women's soccer back uh, last year, um, being a regular, being in attendance at Toyota Park for games, and I just started to uh, become more of a fan each time, each game, and uh, it's, it's, it's incredible. To, to see and they, they play it's very exciting to see that um, what's going on right now so with that let's get into the Washington Spirit against our very own Chicago Red Stars from last Saturday um, I got to see most of the game uh, within uh, during the, the waking hours uh, <laughs> it was at 11 right came up a little bit uh, uh, very early for me I feel like <laughs> Yeah, you're usually not up till like noon or so, so it was early for you. Yeah. Right, especially on the weekend, right? That's me. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Um, and then for you, uh, how did you, uh, uh, did you, did you get to tune in? I was actually already up at 6.30 a.m. to watch a Premier League game, but sadly, I had to, some friends, or not friends, some people came over, and then I had to go help my aunt, so I missed the game. That's right, yeah. So, with this, let's get into it. So, Red Stars vs. Spirit on Twitch. The first game ever air on Twitch uh, here in the U.S. and also in Canada. And uh, all international listeners, um, viewers, they get theirs. Um, all games on Twitch. Uh, very innovative, good spot to be able to um, interact and share your emotes with uh, your fandom, with uh, fans uh, from all around and also here in Chicago. So uh, it's good to see a little bit of that. And uh, next time, definitely be up. <laughs> I see as we get uh, into the schedule later on, uh, the later games uh, in the next few weeks, like I see that there are more games on in the evening, like oh, that's good. Time, uh, 6.30, 7, or 9 p.m. even, the rare one. 
after this. Uh, so that, that's going to be the next uh, couple of weeks. And yeah, we'll be getting more games on CBS as well. And so we'll get into that one later as that's part of the second game. So let's just say for this one, Bailey Feist and Jesse Scarpa really impressed. And they, uh, they were definitely uh, a big help for that. And we saw um, rookie Sarah Lubert debut, as well as a uh, star, new superstar, if you will. Uh, Red starts forward Savannah McCasco. She uh, created some problems down and does a dramatic moment that uh, changed the game for, for Chicago. So. Also... Oh, fun, before we go, fun fact, uh, the goal by Jesse Scarpa was her first ever in the NWSL. Yes, yes, spoiler alert. Yes, so let's do it. I have your Red Stars, and how about CJ? Yeah, I can Start do the, for yeah, I can do the Spirit lineup. The Spirit, starting 11, and subs. I'll do, I'll go first because the spirit are the are the yes, home team. Yes, so, so goalkeeper Aubrey Bledsoe and defender Dorian Bailey, Samantha Staub, Paige Nielsen, Natalie Jacobs were the defense. Then midfielder Jay Bostry, Bailey Feist, Meggie Dautry Howard midfielder. Then strikers, Katie McClure, Yumi, Yokoyama, and finally, Ashley Sanchez. Then the substitutes are Avery Collins, Jenna Hillstrom, Katie Lund, Megan McCool, Jesse Scarpa, Brooke Hendricks, and Crystal Thomas, managed by Richie Burke. For your Chicago Red Stars, we have none other than Goat in the goalkeeper department. Number one, Alyssa Nair. Number 32, in for starting with the defense, we have Zoe Goralski. Then, number 30, we have Hannah Davison. Number 14, Zoe Morse. Number 29, this time in the defensive position is Bianca St. George's who scored her first goal during the summer tournament. Then we have the Beast in the midfield. Starting it off for the middle is number 10, Vanessa DiBernardo. Then we have the return of a champion and one of the best in the U.S. team, number 13, Morgan Bryan. Then we have number 24, also part of the midfield, Danielle Danny Filipuka. And our forwards, we have number 19, Sarah Lubert. Then number 2, Kaylee Watt. And then we have number 9, Potentially wearing the captain's arm back this time, we have Savannah McCasco. Yeah, as you can notice, we have um, Yuki 
was on phone, as well as Julie, who uh, I've heard uh, opted out for this. Oh, did I, she? I hope not. Uh, so, yeah, Savannah taking the lead, and uh, also right behind her is um, Kelia Ohio. So, then we have the substitutes. We have Cameron Kowalski, Ariel Chevron, Kelsey Renee Doherty, Danny Rhodes, and of course, managed by Rory Haynes. Oh, I have a question. Where, uh, where's Casey Short? Yeah, Casey Did she and opt out? Uh, Sarah, they are both uh, not playing for, for now. Oh, okay. uh, most likely, as I've last heard, uh, focusing on social justice efforts. Oh, okay. Uh, Red Star's uh, been tweeting out, uh, you know, about her campaign uh, uh, for like yoga, wellness, for, for um, you know, the Chicago, uh, like, I guess, or like neighborhoods she um, wants to focus on, is, like Southside, um, for those projects to, uh, yeah, sure. for the community and, um, yeah, fight for them. So that is what they're doing. And uh, I say it's very possible they will return. Uh, there was some at some point during this series. Uh, more on that as we uh, find out. And so, yeah, just overall, um, when I get too far in, um, it's a really good game, I would say. Um, I would say the second game just a little bit uh, better. Uh, I felt like, you know, we uh, weren't during the beginning, it started off very hot, and then, uh, you know, as we're going on into it, uh, it didn't look as good as, as it started. So, uh, yeah, a bunch of free kicks uh, occurring, and uh, going back and forth midfield, uh, definitely hard at work. Uh, Danny Pellegrino, one of our favorites, um, and... Yeah, as usual, one of the best out there. Um, you know, without Julie, um, Danny's always stepped up and always been there for the midfield. And we also have um, Savannah, who has been um, on fire since the last uh, tournament and uh, first first day back. Um, she's been a focus and. Uh, this, uh, she's earned uh, all that. Definitely uh, getting uh, respected, I would say, um, for Chicago. And so let's get down to it. We have a 26-minute mark. We have Washington Spirit. They were uh, doing their best defensive. Uh, they couldn't quite as good as Aubrey Bledsoe is. Um, I would say one of the best uh, today. I couldn't quite uh, get to that point like how they usually do. Uh, so we have the history-making uh, debut, first-ever appearance for the Red Stars. Sarah Luber, our new striker, score for the Red Stars with the right-footed shot from very close range to the bottom right corner. So, yeah, that's very well done. And 
So usually that's part of the most challenging types of goals for any GK since you the secret is to go low and you can you um you kinda sneak it in by going lower and so they won't be able to fall into uh and, and grab the ball so uh you kinda mix up uh kinda make them pick a side at the same time, like not going so high, they're not able to spot it. And usually it's oh, it might be a goal and then it goes up higher. So and this is via an assist by Kalia with a cross. And so yeah, I, I believe, you know, since Kalia throughout this game, just spoiler that she didn't uh, uh, score a goal though, like um again, like you said, uh, during the summer that uh, tournament that she might not be that kind of player like how she was with the dash, um, known uh, good for um, you know, the striker position. So um, she, if you notice, like many of the uh, assists are by her. Uh, so next we have 27 minute mark, uh, a very bad foul, as we had uh, you know, a little rough with Savannah. A yellow card was given, and then 28th we had one given out to Maggie Howard as well. And yeah, all of these I felt like weren't. Uh, I mean, not being biased, though, like Savannah, like definitely didn't look too bad out there, though. Yeah, she actually got a second one, which uh, Savannah got for a bad foul. That one looked a little worse, so that got her ejected from the game, and most, including myself, were shocked that that would happen, and that. Uh, I was like, man, this is about trouble for this uh, second and third half. So, uh, yeah, getting uh, shaky as that happened, and I'm sure that shook it up as uh, the Red Stars had to go without um, their, uh, by default, uh, captain in McCaskill. And so, yeah, I don't believe they were the same after that. And so we're playing with... Um, with 10 players now uh, in for the Red Stars. Then we have at the 45th plus three stoppage time minute mark, we have an attempt that was missed by Ashley of the Spirit, right-footed, center of the box, very close, missed to the right, and this was assisted by Jay or Swear. That's the way you say it. That's how I said it. So. Yeah. Following CJ Hawks. Yep. And then, so that is the first half. And so, so far, uh, looking good for the rest. As we have 1 0 and uh, straight down for them. And 47 minute mark, we had Dorian Bailey of the Spirit getting issued a yellow card. And at 50 seconds, we have an offside. By the spirit, uh, McClure goes for the third ball. Ashley Sanchez is caught in both sides, so that could have been the one to tie it up. And I think the 60s another attempt yeah. with the spirit with Natalie Jacobs right. and doing the same. And at this time, McCool caught off sides. Yeah, uh, and then 58th. 
next minute we have an attempt real quick. This is how um gonna attack with um Kaylia with her, her speed. And Zoe also. Um very fast. Um definitely up and coming. Uh this was a really good um showcase for Zoe. I've been wanting to see her um be able to be let's just be honest, the start. So with the roster uh, being thinner, um, I'm glad uh, she has the opportunity. So yeah, Zoe, she got the third ball, and then Kelia was caught offside. And then we have it miss this time high. Kelia left footed shot left left side of the box, just a bit too high. And this was actually in reverse. Zoe was. And then came we have substitution injury replacing um, Jacobs because of an injury, and this one put a stop for um, for three minutes or so, and then so yeah we had a temp actually, and this was assisted of sixty fourth actually um, good chance for the Red Stars to. Uh, to uh, get the advantage and yeah, Zoe once again uh, going for it um, as good as she is for defensive definitely finding opportunities this right footed shot from outside the box being blocked and Lubert assisting and then at the 71st we had the goal by the Washington Spirit Bailey Feist getting one left with the shot from the side of the box to the right top right corner and so good one for the spirit and yeah we have more offsides uh, Sam Stop and Megan Poole come together uh, and then Feist uh, once again is uh, in the mix getting caught offside uh, as Sam Stop got the through ball and so, yeah, very few, like, we hardly saw any uh, corners. Each fifth minute, we got a corner with the spirit uh, conceded by Zoe Morse of the Red Stars. And then 86, we had... <laughs> this one's just funny because this, like, never happens. So, uh, free kick was one. Pile of some air in the defensive head. So, I have actually have some interesting stats, though. Like, this is, this was through, like, the announced team in the second uh, game. And so, it's just a bunch of what-ifs. Um, like, what goalkeepers can and cannot do. Uh, or we usually don't see them do. So, yeah, I'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, and so that we reached the third third half, and this one really sealed our fate as we had the 93rd in extra time in stop uh, time. Another goal for Spirit as Jesse Scarpa right for the shot from very close range to the center of the goal has been assisted by Crystal Thomas. And that was all she wrote. There were 
this actually was one of the most um, stoppage time we had uh, at plus nine minutes. And uh, they were going for another one, Hellstrom. Uh, Nicole once again caught offside. And St. George's actually lost a, a uh, free kick. And so that, you know, again, you know, I thought that it would be out of nowhere, you know, possibly uh, maybe Achillea and Bianca working together, getting uh, one to um, get us to win. The, that was not to be. Uh, so, yeah, 99 minutes into it and match ending with a final of two to one, the Spirit picking up the victory in the Red Stars' first, as well as the Spirit's uh, second, actually, second overall matchup. And this was actually away, so we'll see as the Red Stars' next matchup, they'll be able to uh, pick up a W as we come back home at Toyota Park. So, at a Good start for the day, just in general, welcoming out some good uh, footy, if you will. And then here we are, we're moving on, transitioning to the second game of the day, and this one was on 2.30 on CBS. And let's just say what a thriller, as uh, let's just say that this was a thriller. So let's get into this. And let's, how about, do the starting lineups. I have the Courage, and then CJ with the Dash. So, let's begin with the Courage. They are at home at Wakeman. Can carry North Carolina, a small town that is uh, by Raleigh. And Wakeman, Soccer Park. Place where they kind of made fun of having a in the corner, having a uh, a, a play uh, play set, a, a little park uh, with some swings and a slider, whatnot. Like uh, definitely got some memes on, on the Twitter. So yeah, here we go with the courage. So we have number one, GK Stephanie Lave, twenty-seven. Starting with the defensive end. We had Addison Merrick. Number three, Kaylee Kurtz. Number seven, USWNT player, Abby Bellkemper. 21, defensive midfielder, Kerry Ricaro. 25, Meredith Speck, midfielder. We also have number 13, Ryan Williams. Then we have attacking midfielder, which means both being in the midfield as well as a forward and very well known to be in the forward uh, very successful uh, around the world um, young superstar uh, under 30 she might look a little older though yeah we have uh, none other than number 10 simply known as Davinia number 2 Lauren Millier was an attacking midfielder as well. And then we have your two forwards, strikers, number nine, the most scoring goal, uh, most scoring goals in history within the league, right behind Red Star, 
Sandker, and that is Lynn Williams. And finally, we have number 28, Gattaca Evans, Suffs, Riley Baisden, Haley Harbison, Sinclair Maramontes, Seth Murphy, Peyton Cotabuya, Caitlin Rowland, and managed by Paul Riley. Now for your Houston Dash starting lineup, we have in goal the sensational Jane Campbell. Then in defense, we have Alyssa Chapman, Katie Nodden, the former Chicago Red Star, Ali Pristock, Haley Hansen, and then midfield, we have Christy Mewis, Sophie Schmidt, Shea Groom, who is one of my favorites on the team. And then strikers, we have Bridget, Andre Zeski, Veronica Latsko, and finally, Nichelle Prince. And then on substitutes. Michelle Prince one that became one of your uh, favorites. Yeah, she's first. one of my favorites too. Yeah. They did uh, <laughs> in the last uh, uh, late sign this year um, ahead of, of uh, the Challenge Cup. Then for substitutes, Jemiah Fields, Lindsay Harris, Christine Naren, Cami Privet, Aaron Simon, Katie Stengel, and finally, Brianna Vasali, and then managed by James Clarkson. Yes, indeed. Yeah, let's get into the game. And so, yeah, this one, I like to set a very uh, better game than, than the last. Um, and as it should be, with two very, very good teams, so if you're comparing them, the difference is that they, the Carolina, uh, Carolina Curse, they uh, are definitely dominant. And then we have the Dash, who are uh, more underdogs. And um, I say they still are. Uh, definitely, they've made improvements. Uh, and that's what got the uh, challenge cup victory. And so, yeah, both champions um, going at it. And so, yeah, the best of the best out there. Um, we didn't get a chance to see, as uh, announcers got made sure to say, um, kind of sucks in a way that, yeah, we don't, we're missing like another um, USWNT star in Samantha Mewis, not getting able, not being able to play against her sister, Christy which we had just yet to see really this year. And so if you're a fan from last year, you most likely got to see that though. Yeah, it's been a long time. And so yeah, both being separated for now and uh, different ends. So yeah, still um, makes for good, uh, you know, fresh new lineups. And newest um, for the dash being a, um, a good, uh, Star for them, and so we had 17th minute mark, yellow card. Alicia Chapman was issue one. And do you think it was warranted? Brian Williams, both at through ball with million, and cop upsides. And then we have penalty goal. Yeah, we got a penalty goal 
by, sadly, North Carolina Courage, Abby Delkemper, who doesn't make many mistakes, converted the penalty with right foot shot to the bottom left corner to make the Courage take the lead. And also, comparison's sake, if we're considering Wetter and North Carolina Courage, they're definitely looked at as the top of the bunch, one of the best teams, like Fixture, New York Yankees, like that level of success. Shake room, 
dust from the through ball though might still was caught offsides. So yeah, we see here like a lot of um, risks being taken. Uh, definitely, uh, I feel like with uh, Dash coming off a big win uh, during the summer, like definitely a huge confidence booster, and I see like almost completely different Dash uh, compared to uh, last year, and so. Uh, at the same time, um, again, we didn't mention uh, that uh, Rachel Daly is uh, on loan. So uh, until next year, we'll see him back on there. Though uh, still, without uh, someone like her, there's uh, no nothing short of confidence for them, uh, as the courage are always very confident as well. So we have offsides, very um, respect. Those are throw ball for the courage. Uh, Lynn Williams is caught offside. Uh, though will uh, Williams redeeming herself later, as we'll see, uh, dramatic uh, thing happen. So this we had assist by the Inia, 49th minute. Tempo's blocked um, by Alyssa Mayer. Lynn Williams going for a right-footed uh, shot from a very difficult angle. And then we reach a 2-2 with a goal by the Courage as the Pina for the shot from outside the box to the top right corner. And someone with international experience um, like her, no surprise that, um, you know, they go high. So this was one of the most perfect, as can be one of the most perfect shots that uh, right what right went right through getting tongue tied um, to the net, and so someone that uh, is able to do that is just in their you know their 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 own uh, bubble, if you will. Um, so uh, yeah, we had a second yellow card issued to Chapman, left off the third, and um, yeah, courage they weren't um, looking. Let themselves, I would say. Uh, you know, the next few minutes would be the 56. Uh, Lynn Williams uh, attempting uh, caught off sides. The uh, and Ryan Williams also in that mix. Um, couldn't get a goal. Um, listen there, just too good, you know, still very, very much uh, being, uh, you know, the goatfulness, if you will, uh, <laughs> that she's shown out there. Uh, and so, yeah, I, or shall I say, um, Kaylin Sheridan, uh, but, um, yeah, so yeah, just all good goalkeepers, you know, able to, uh, always take, take the lead, and so, yeah, it leads me to Jane Campbell, offsides, um, Jane Campbell herself, he goes for a through ball and then Katie Stengel is caught outside so this is where the very interesting off top I have this will be um, there's been a few attempts on that um, if I remember correctly it was listen there that has attempted a goal and one other GK that has actually came off of the net and uh was successful at that. So we'll get into that later. Uh, so, yeah. 
Uh, Lil Wills was caught offside to Mexican X with Dominia uh, attempting and went for the through ball. And then we have the Dash. They're coming back. They're hot, dashing their way to a goal as Sophie Schmidt left footed shot from the center of the box to the bottom left corner. And there again, like another bottom left corner shot. And this was assisted by Katie Stangle. Next, 73rd, uh, Del Kemper, Fredonia shot outside the box to the left. Um, Davinia assisting that one ball in the corner, that was one. And uh, that, that was stopped by Michelle Prince. And so, yeah, that's with that. And Michelle Prince winning a free kick in the attacking half. And yeah, uh, Jane Campbell. Uh, the tenth block, 82nd. Sophie Schmidt, where he's putting one, that was blocked by Courage UK. And then Courage, like they can, tied it up, 33, 83rd minute mark with a goal as Lynn Williams finally getting her first goal uh, of the day with the red footed shot from the center of the box to the top of the corner, assisted by Riley Baseman. And then Within the next three minutes, another goal, definitely, uh, you know, lowering the confidence for uh, the dash for a moment, um, and that takes it to 4-3, but being uh, once again, right-footing shot for the goal from the left side of the box, bottom right corner, and assisted by Meredith Speck. And again, if you could tell, like, Pina having uh, two different uh, styles of goal, so that's a good way to change it up, and uh, the GK, you know, doesn't know what to expect, and so that, that's a very good strategy uh, from someone. And, yeah, that's where we reach towards the end, and um, expecting this to possibly get to a tie, possibly 4-4. Uh, at this point, we have seven goals. That is most um, this whole year. And so, yeah, 93rd minute corner, succeeded by Aaron Simon. Free kick lost by Lynn Williams, and Aaron Simon won the free kick. Defensive half, and some more corners, succeeded by Peyton. And so, one, one more, one more act with 95 minutes of extra time. Uh, or stop his time rather, Ali Prisak with a header on the left side of the six yard box. This is to the left. And assisted by Christy Mewis with a cross falling corner. And with five minutes um, to the end, the second half ends and the match ended. Still with the same 4 3 with a victory by the Courage. Very, very awesome matchup. And just a quick box score right here. 13 shots is taken by the Courage and a 12 by the Dash. And not too far behind, this is a fairly even exchange right here. And then shots on goal for the Dash and 5 by their We also have the passing accuracy 78 for the Dash and 72.7% for the Courage. Possession, Dash had 54.6% of the ball, 
and 45.4 for the coach. Um, Dash definitely uh, good on defense, and they've got 15 clearances, and the courage with only six. Uh, each with one save, and tackles one. Dash at the edge with 21, while Courage had 11. And duels won 49, while the Courage had 36. So, yeah, definitely uh, a really, really good back and forth. And so just a quick recap. Yeah, 4-3. And uh, this is both clubs' first matchup in the fall series. And Davinia with her pair of goals as Malcolm Williams adding goals for the Courage as well. And also... Let's go, Mewis and Schmidt. I'm tired from Dash. Jacob having two assists in the contest, as well as uh, for Houston playing the final 37 minutes now. The player, after uh, Chapman, of course, getting uh, her two yellow cards, which disqualifies the player, uh, making a 10 player game for the Dash specifically. And yeah, it's just incredible that uh, that moment's like, wow, we actually got a second one of the day. Uh, to four yellow cards to take out, uh, making a 10-man, uh, 10-player matchup for the Red Stars and the Dash. McCaskill um, and Chapman doing the same thing. Uh, definitely a big surprise. And well, so, yeah, that's a wrap for this game. Uh, on my end. Yes, that's a wrap for me as well. And our producers are telling us time to move on to the final segment of episode 42. Yeah, so stay before tuned. Before we get there, uh, we're done with uh, games. I had a breaking news announcement for all. And this is very historic as we have for new partnership that was announced by the league with the NWSLPA. They've announced a partnership with Parkside Collectibles. What is Parkside Collectibles? They aim to create a limited edition trading cards for sports. And this time, they're doing it for the 2020 NWSL Challenge Cup. The trading card set is going to feature a bonus signature card. You know, you know possibly an autograph or so. Uh, yeah, let's do a dive right here. So this is very historic and Parks and Collectibles being the sports training company, car company. Uh, they'll be making the first sports training car company to create an all-women soccer trading card set. And PC co-founder Matt McKeith had to say, I'm a big trading card collector, and when my soccer playing daughter wanted to pick up cards over Heroes, I had to tell her nobody makes them. At that moment, I called Eric and decided that these amazing athletes need to be represented as their contemporaries are. We're thrilled to partner with Parkside Collectibles, Lisa their commissioner said, to bring another fun way for us to engage with NWSL fans around the world. 2020 has certainly been a year to remember for a league, and these training cards will put a stamp on this moment in time and help us showcase the incredible athletes 
that make up the NWSL. And the first set that we released part of this limited edition set will be featuring uh, a showcase of 15 cards and include randomly inserted signature cards of an NWSL star or a promising prospect rookie card. Rookie cards are always fun to do, uh, especially with NBA and uh, and all that between with athletes being highlighted. You might ask who will be featured in this first series. It will be starting off with Challenge Cup MVP Rachel Daly from the Houston Dash, Kaylea Watt, uh, Kaylea Ohai from Chicago Red Stars, Simone Charlie, and Morgan Weaver of Portland Thorns FC, Paige Monaghan from Skyblue FC, and Ashley Hatch from the Washington Spirit, featured for certain and more to be announced. These signature cards signed by players. Yes, you heard that right. Signed. These will be the cards that will have player autographs, which include headlined by Christine St. Clair, captain of Portland Thorns FC, Anthony Balser from ORB, as well as Sierra King from the Utah Rose FC. And as usual, there is also more names to be announced. And last, uh, one more thing. This is by the official himself, uh, Parkside, but we'll CEO and co-founder, Eric Christensen. He said, this set is among our most special as it represents the momentum to advance gender equity on the playing field and off. Featuring today's emerging athletes will nurture that potential in tomorrow's All-Stars. Athletes inspire our youth to strive for better other sports that uh, Parkside works with um, to provide for, uh, let's say, different kinds of uh, sports as well, and the MLL as well as Big 3, so MLL is the Major League Lacrosse and Big 3 Basketball. Uh, if you're wondering where to get them, uh, cards are currently sold at Target, Nationwide, and Hobby Stores such as locally Hobby Lobby or uh, you know, uh, other like Dollar Tree. Dollar Tree. Check out the website to get your training card, parksidecards.com. So take down that note for the NWSL Challenge Cup Limited Edition set of training cards. Okay, talk to you guys later. Hey friends, we're back for our final segment for episode 42, we're going to call it a episode. Now we're going to talk about transitioning from NWSL to some more soccer talk on the program, this time across the pond in England for the Premier League. The season just started last week on Saturday, the first match of the new year. I know it felt like not that long ago. Because the season, the restart, ended pretty recently. 
They took about a month off, and now it's back for the 2020-2021 season. And a couple teams have not played yet because they had Man City, Man United, Burnley, and Aston Villa. All four of those teams did not play because Man City and Man United needed extra rest due to international play. So they got their games moved back to this week. And Burnley, Aston Villa were their opponents, so they got their games moved back as well. So now we're going to talk about the Arsenal versus Fulham match. I love Fulham. Big Fulham fan. Very proud of them making it back to the Premier League after a one-year hiatus in the championship. Fulham has had a good mix of good players. Some players who probably, in all honesty, don't belong in the Premier League. They belong in the championship. But manager Scott Parker has stated he wants to give his guys who helped him get from the championship back to the Premier League a chance, which I can understand as a manager showing loyalty to your players. So now we're going to go with the lineups. First for Fulham and Goal, Marich, Rodak, the Slovakian. There was some talk before the match he would be benched in favor of the new sexy signing from Piri St. Germain, the new player that Scott Parker managed to get somehow. I know, very insane. Alphonse Areola, the goalkeeper, the Frenchman, he was signed to head over to Fulham on loan. So he was put, maybe going to start, but they went with Rodak, who I thought was the right season. He helped them greatly get back to Premier League, and he deserves to have an opportunity to start. So, Merrick Rodak in goal. Defenders, Michael Hector, Dennis Odie, Tim Ream, who, fun fact, is from the United States. You don't see a lot of many American players in the Premier League, but he is one of those. And Tim Ream, in all honesty, isn't very good. Then Joe Bryan, another defender. Then midfielders, Nestus Cavano, Tom Carney, Ivan Cavello, Harrison Reed, Josh Oman, then forward, Abukar Kamara, also for France, substitutes, Alphonse Uriel, the goalkeeper, Maxime Lemachal, the Frenchman, Cyrus Christie, we love to support Irishmen, so yay, Cyrus Christie, Anthony, Cockhart, Andre, Frank, Zambo, Angusia, Alexander Mitrovic, the best player, captain for Fulham. He obviously would have started, but he didn't because Scott Parker mentioned he needed some more rest. He wasn't fully ready for the start of the new year. So Mitrovic subbed in later, but he didn't start right away in the starting 11, which he obviously would have if he was healthy and not so out of gas. Finally, last one, Bobby De Cavorta Reed, also from Jamaica. Now we move to the Arsenal starting lineup. Goalkeeper Bernard Leno, Kieran Turney, Gabriel Magus, the new signing for Arsenal, Rob Holding, Hector Valian, Ainsley Mechin, Niles, Mohamed 
Elni, not Mohammed Salah. That's a different one. Mohammed Elni, Grant, Zara, Alexander Lacrizette, Willian, Pierre, Emmerich, Abiyane, and finally substitutes Matt Macy, Bukhasaka, Seed, Kanovich, Danny Selbos, Joseph Willick, Nicholas Pepe, and Eddie Nitash. So, just a little bit of favoring. Arsenal, heavy favorite. They won the FA Cup, came in hot and heavy. People were expecting Arsenal to improve after last season's okay finish. They finished pretty well in the end of the restart, came in hot, especially with new Will, signing Wilhan and Gabriel. Especially Wilhan, he was their big signing. They managed to get him away from Chelsea to head to the most hated rival, Arsenal. And right away, we're going to start with the game. So, right away, it happened early on. Fulham didn't look too bad on defense. Kind of some seeing out here and there. We moved to the eighth minute when Alexander Lacazette left foot shot from very close range to the bottom right corner. Got past the goalkeeper. This was a good goal. I was impressed by Lacazette. And keep this in the back of your mind for trivia night. If somebody asks, what was the who scored the first goal in the Premier League 2020-2021 season? Alexander Lacazette is the answer for that. So he scored the goal. Then, hearing some half happened, not really anything going on. Defense was fine on both sides, some offsides. T missed attempts. Both goalkeepers made some nice saves. Then we moved to 26 minutes when Michael Hector from Fulham was shown the yellow card for a bad foul. I like how they always say bad foul because some of them are bad, I agree. Some of them are just kind of like over the top, kind of funny. But this one, Hector, I think did deserve the yellow card, so I wasn't that up in arms for it. I thought it was... <laughs> then, some more intense moment in tw one minute later when Wilhan hit the left post with a right foot shot from outside the box from a free kick. He missed it. This one was pretty close. I thought there was an opportunity it was going in, but luckily it did not happen. DJ Benny the Bull obviously wanted it to happen. I did not want it to happen. <laughs> then... Uh, yep. Yeah, out there. And he's uh, definitely one of the key pieces for us. Oh, yeah. He's one of the best. We'll see coming up. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, he's one of the best in the Premier League. Yeah, in the world. In the world, yep. Yeah. And it, he is also on the England national, men's national team. Uh, he's actually from, uh, Gabon. Ah, uh, yeah. I see, I see. Because I was trying to think, like, oh, he may have played in that, uh, uh, you know, the, uh, UEFA, uh, game or something, the Nations League. So I guess that was different. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I thought, I thought he was from Gabon and played in the, he's the captain of the Gabon, or Gab, Gabonese national team, but maybe I was wrong. Yeah. Actually, let me just do that. Should, yeah, no. yeah, while you double check, I'll keep going. So we move forward to the 39th minute when yellow card alert 
when the just mentioned Pierre Emmerich Evian was shown the yellow card for a bad foul. This one was warranted. Oh, well, you're correct. He's on the command. Yeah, I thought so. I'm a fan of his, so I hoped I was right. Yeah, so he is. Yeah, he's a fresh French descent. So it's interesting that he is a part of that. And uh, yeah, definitely very uh, versatile. And uh, it's actually funny uh, before you get back to the game that uh, as of Daniel's cast was said, I reported that uh, Barcelona made offer before striker signed Arsenal extension. So, uh, wow. I would have been uh, seeing him, uh, you know, playing against uh, the Lionel Dope Messi. So, that have been a very uh, intriguing uh, tag team, if you will. Well, I'm glad he didn't go, personally, because I can watch him in the Premier League instead. Exactly. <laughs> the most popular men's soccer league in the world. So... Yell card by uh, Pierre. Then we move to halftime. Fulham, I've got to admit, very impressed by their play. Only down one nothing. It could have been worse. But I'm still shocked that the team only allowed one goal after at halftime. And I like listening to... I've listened to it for the past couple of weeks. Just started to become a fan of it. The Fulham Focus podcast. This excellent job by a group of friends in England. And they talked a little bit about they were also in a state of shock, euphoria. The team was only down one nothing at halftime. And then once the team got out of the locker room, I don't know what happened. Maybe they imploded. Maybe they thought, oh yeah, we're not that good. And then they completely fell apart. So in the 49th minute, Tim Ream, who I'm not a big fan of his. He does get an unnecessary amount of hate on social media. On Twitter, especially, he gets called horrible names, and he's mentioned as one of the worst players in the league. I don't believe that. But is he fantastic? No. But he doesn't deserve all the unnecessary hate that's being told by fans of the so, club. So, so we won't we won't expect to see him in the MCU and the well uh, in the Fantastic Four. No. Won't be a Fantastic Four. <laughs> Pierre Emmerich. Yeah. <laughs> Pierre could be there, but not Tim Ream. <laughs> so, um, but the same minute there was a goal. This one, horrible. I was furious at this goal. Tim Ream and the deep. At, I'm just looking at Gabriel's profile. Yep. And it's on the, the Google scorecard. <laughs> this was Gabriel's first game as a member of Arsenal. And I want to say it was this double check me, but I'm pretty sure it was his first game in the Premier League. Is that correct? <laughs> um, I mean, with this, this is his debut. Uh, so uh, let me actually double check that and continue. Okay, I'll keep continuing. So, Gabriel, the new signing for Arsenal, got attempt from very close range to the center of the goal. Wilhan had already assisted it with a cross, far corner. The defense kind of was left flat-footed, and Gabriel showed Arsenal why he was signed with his first goal ever as a member of the Gunners, and Wilhan got assist as well to show why he is going to be so explosive for the Gunners. Yeah, so Gabriel, he pre 
previously played up until this year at uh, part of the French League. Oh. Uh, Lille uh, Olympique uh, Sporting Club, which is uh, in short known as Lille OSC. And yeah, uh, September 1st, beginning of this month, he joined Arsenal. So uh, by virtue, joined the Premier League. And yes, this was his very first appearance ever in the Premier League yeah. from France. And very first game overall in the Premier League for Arsenal. And for Arsenal. And uh, definitely impressed as we'll see more. So, we keep moving on. There were some offsides, fouls. Fulham did not have many opportunities on the net, and they couldn't take advantage of the few they did have. Arsenal was definitely having more opportunities than Fulham. Basically, the only way Fulham was going to win the match was to play airtight defense and maybe get lucky with a set piece penalty or a free kick, corner kick that could help them go in the net. They didn't get any of those, so we keep moving on. 55th minute, yell card, Hector... Bellerin, Arsenal, showing yellow card. I do not personally remember this one, so we're going to keep moving on. Then there's a missed attempt by Abukar Kamara from Fulham. Right-footed shot from outside the box. It was close, but he missed to the left following a set piece. And this was a good opportunity. I thought maybe his chance would go in, but dismissed. Then a minute later, Arsenal got back on it when Pierre Emmerich Avian. Right-footed shot from left side of the box. This is very clinical shot. He makes these in his sleep. He can be eyes closed, blindfolded, and still make them. That's why he's one of the best in the world. And this, this was the one that put uh, Arsenal three up three. Yep, this was the game winner. The game was already over. To be honest, at two nothing, but officially it was over at three nothing. Also. Assisted by Wilhan, so he finished yeah. with two assists. Outstanding. Then, yeah, very clinical. Then Tom Kearney, Fulham, shown yellow card. This was a foul that was unnecessary. At this point, it was the one of anger. Tom Kearney and the Fulham squad was already angered that they basically let their chance of maybe tying it up go up from the wayside. To fall behind three nil, yeah. and, and Tom Carney fell. Uh, uh, William uh, in the process. Uh, yeah. To, to get that, that yellow. Yep. Unfortunate. Yep, unfortunate. So then, sixty third minute, uh, Alexander Mitrovic, my favorite player on the squad, one of my favorite in the world, replaced Abukar Kamara. Kamara left the pitch, and Mitrovic finally came in. Once he came in, the squad started playing a lot better. He started getting some more opportunities for the squad. But to be honest, by this point, it was too late. The team already down for nothing and only less than 30 minutes left. The chances of Mitrovic turning on the Jets were slim, but he looked good in his limited time on the pitch. Then substitution, some more of them. Andre, Frank, Zambo, and Guisa replaced Niskins, Cabano, and 
I don't know a lot about Andre Frank Zambo Agusta, but his name is awesome. So then, um, attempt save, Mitrovic, right-footed shot from outside of the box, save and center of the goal. This was assisted by Andre Frank Zambo Agusta. And it was a good save by um, the goalie Arsenal. And then fouls, free kicks, uh, some more substitutions, 75th minute. Bobby DeCoverto, Reed, replaces Josh Olim. Then Arsenal, Nicholas yeah. Pepe, replaces Wilhan. He had two yeah. assists. Yeah. Yeah, during these, uh, Panama uh, struggled to get involved in the game, uh, so Reed happened to come in. And, uh, yeah. A fine William has described his debut. He's done for the day and after two assists that he made. So I think that's probably a good point to end this recap of the match. So Arsenal, winners here, 3-0 against Fulham. And both teams are back and ready to go on week two of the Premier League schedule with Fulham taking on newcomers, Leeds United, who looked pretty good in their close loss to the champions, Liverpool. And then, uh, let me double check who Arsenal is playing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Arsenal. Yeah. Yeah, Arsenal's playing West Hampton on Saturday. Fulham, so they have a tall task 
ahead of them if they want to be in contention. Uh, well, 20 oh. teams in the standings. Well, it's not on Bidat Doom and Gloom yet. This was game or match one, not match 38. This was match one. And Fulham fans, as myself, none of us fought we'd beat Arsenal. We fought maybe we could draw, which we didn't. But there's always next game against Leeds United, which is a better opportunity, a worse team than Arsenal. So maybe there's a chance to get some points on the board there. Said that uh, next game for Arsenal is against West Ham. Right. Yeah, West Ham, Arsenal. Right. Yeah, so it is kind of like uh, basketball where here uh, that they almost like by seed. So, like the first matchup against West Brom, and then yeah, not Fulham, and then next West Ham, and they have Sheffield United and Brighton, and then uh, your Tottenham Spur, Hotspurs. Yeah, Arsenal won that, yeah. Yeah, that was very uh, intense. I mean, uh, with penalty, they won both times with uh, the penalty, so uh, very close, actually. I think that that's very cool that they also do community shield. As both NWSL and Premier League have done so uh, this year. To, to be honest, at this point, it looks like I might have to concede and get Peacock because, like, all the games are on Peacock only. It's like, come on. They did it on purpose, so I have to concede. The, the Peacock is, is quite affordable. Yeah, it is affordable. So. Well, I think that wraps up our Arsenal-Fulham talk. Fulham didn't look horrible. Did they look great? No. But... There's room for improvement. It's not devastating yet, so let's see if they can beat Leeds United in their next game. And let's see if Arsenal can continue their winning ways and defeat West Ham United, which I think they can. So I think Arsenal can be 2-0 if they play appropriately. So that was the only game I got to fully watch on opening day Premier League. But a little bit of news before we wrap up episode 42. There's some explosive news for the Tottenham Hotspur. And there's already explosive news a few weeks ago when the All or Nothing Amazon Prime documentary on Tottenham Hotspurs came out. I've watched the first three episodes and basically, a little bit of rundown. I've really enjoyed them so far. Basically, they look at the beginning of last season when they were coached by Maurizio Pochettino, the head coach, uh, manager. And he's only in it for about 
15 minutes when he was fired, rightfully so, because Tottenham was at the bottom of the table, all the way in 17th place when he was fired, rightfully, and the famous Jose Mourinho was hired, and he got the team way better, up from 17th all the way to 5th, and basically the first three episodes focus on when he's hired as a new manager, all the way up to Christmas time against Chelsea when they lose that match. And then episode four will focus on the beginning of the the 2020 year. And I've greatly enjoyed it. Getting to see some of my favorites, Harry Kane. Getting to see Heen Won Sung, the South Korean superstar. I had kind of forgotten or didn't realize that he was that famous from fans from South Korea. But there's many scenes where fans who stated they came all the way from South Korea in Seoul, especially all the way to England to see uh, Mr. Sonny play, which, wow, that's awesome that you have fans coming all the way from Korea to England to watch you play. (laughs) Incredible. And there's a lot of moments that were kind of like very interesting. Some of the players on the team kind of got benched, so to speak. Like Christian Eriksen, he's been at Tottenham for years. He's one of the guys you f- look at when you think of Tottenham. Once Jose Mourinho took over, he basically was like, uh, 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 you're not playing. And he basically benched him. So he basically wasn't playing under Jose Mourinho. But in one of the g- games that they recapped in the episode, he did get to come in off the bench, which thankfully he did. And he did make an impact. He did it his way. Yep. And there's talk that he might be, he could have been leaving, which rightfully, if you're benched, I don't blame you for wanting to leave. And probably my favorite moment was in episode, well, the wind, the winds were obviously great. But one of my favorite moments was in the end of episode three, the last one I've watched so far when... Uh, Sonny, he was on the pitch later in the match, and he was diving, fell on his back, kicked his leg up, and he kind of touched one of the Chelsea players, and he did kick him, but I think it was more of a instinct. I don't think it was as malicious as they wanted to think, but the ref was like, oh my goodness, get him out of here. So he immediately gave him a red card, and Sonny was gone from the game. And it was fun because he, he was on audio. So he was walking into the locker room and he was going crazy, like screaming, how is that a red card? He's like, how is that red? And then he was kicking stuff because he was angered. <laughs> and that's basically where it ended. So I'm enjoying it so far. Some more Tottenham news before we wrap it up. Gareth Bale. This is unbelievable. The... Former uh, Tottenham Hotspur, back in the day, earlier in this decade, he was great for the Spurs, and Real Madrid scooped him up in a breaking contract back in 2013. At the time, was one of the highest paid players ever, and he went to Real Madrid, where he excelled for a number of years. But as of late, Real Madrid's manager is like, he's garbage. So he basically was benched just like Christian Eriksen was benched for Tottenham. 
uh, Gareth Bale was benched for Real Madrid. And he said, stated he wanted to leave. Of course, I understood he should leave if Real Madrid won't use him. And finally, he's going back to the Spurs. So let's see what he can do as a member of the Spurs. Very excited to see him back as a member of the Spurs. Watch him on the Premier League. Because I've never seen him as a member of the Premier League. Obviously, I haven't really been watching him for a few years. Not since 2013. So gratefully, he's back. The Welshman. And also, there's this interesting headline article that I found kind of funny. It mentioned that Luka Modric could leave Real Madrid to go to Tottenham, which that's crazy. But that's more rumor real. That's not confirmed. But if so, that would be insane. So, just wrap it up. Tottenham did lose their first match in the Premier League season against Everton in 1-0 defeat. Maybe getting Gareth Bale back. And maybe, maybe, Luka Modric, which that's kind of crazy, could help the offense kick into high gear because that startling uh, statistic is that most recently of the matches they've played, Harry Kane's been basically the only scorer scoring any goals at all, which one guy is great, but one guy can't lead the team to a victory every game when he's the only one who can score. So maybe this will help them. And I think this is a good stopping point. So thanks everyone for listening to the Bullhawk Sports Show. We greatly appreciate the feedback from our fans. We're available to listen to on Spotify, Anchor, uh, Google Podcasts, iTunes, Overcast, Radio Public, all those sites. Just type in Bullhawk Sports Show and you'll find us. And then available, if you want to comment to us, we're available on Instagram with the Bullhawk Sports Show. Twitter at Bullock Sports Show. And we will pr- promptly respond to any text messages from, on those websites. If you have any comments about anything you heard on episode 42. And probably episode 43, which will be the next one, which will focus more on basketball, on WNBA and the NBA as of late. That'll be more of a basketball themed episode. And then definitely in the episode after that, we'll focus on the Chicago Bears game against the New York football giants. And somewhere we'll get the Chicago Red Stars game in. Because we have a lot of sports we want to discuss these days, so it's hard to find what episodes and segments go best together and which ones don't go together. But we'll see. So thanks so much for listening, and talk to you later, and see you soon here on the Bulldog Sports Show. CG Hawk and DJ Benny the Bull signing off.